Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Coached by Dan podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan Reese, and welcome back. Um, I hope you're enjoying Season 2 of the podcast so far. Um, I know I thoroughly have enjoyed everyone so far with Dr. Mike and Ricky, of course. Um, and we have some really cool guests due on over the next few episodes as well. But today, I am talking with Paul Standell of the PT Project, formerly of the Muscle Mentors. And in this episode, uh, we have a really nice chat about three topics in particular. The main one being the side effects and general kind of brain fuckery, if I was to put it really professionally, that occurs after getting really, really lean. And the implication that can kind of have on us, our mindsets, our, you know, our kind of perception of ourselves, our self-worth. And myself and Paul delve into a really interesting conversation talking about that and talking about how to kind of manage emotions after getting very lean because at the end of the day you know we I think so many people focus on getting lean that they don't focus on what happens afterwards and it is a real thing like it might sound like a to some people listening it might sound like a oh well for some having struggles after getting lean when I'm out here trying to get lean and listen there's always you know it's, it's a double-edged sword everything ha- comes with its 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 faults and it is a it is a big one to deal with and in in that kind of conversation we talk about kind of ways of kind of overcoming those negative thoughts and that kind of negative perception of ourselves when it comes to you know what happens after we get very very lean um we also talk about um very unplanned we talk about kind of how pts are notoriously very boring and very not fun to watch on camera and just a bit of a social media chit chat in general and then we wrap up talking about paul's new company the pt project what it is um how it differs from what he was doing at the Muscle Mentors, what are they focusing on, what's their goal, what's their mission, and who they work with and how it can help people like PTs and so on and so forth. So, absolutely phenomenal episode. Um, if you enjoy it, let me know. And by letting me know, just literally send me a DM with the words, nerds, uh, what is it, bands for nerds. Um I'm oh, sorry, nerds with sorry, nerds with bands on Instagram, and we can take it from there. But without further ado, enjoy season two, episode three of the podcast with Mister Paul Standell. I'm easy. Go whenever you want to go. We'll go loose, <laughs> very loose. <laughs> Paul, my good man, how are for for the podcast people like not for us because I know how you are, but how are we getting on? I'm very well, thanks, mate. Nice and uh, I would I'm I'm super enthusiastic and not not tired at all, which no. <laughs> uh, is exactly how you want to be. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty good. Mate. I'm pretty good. Any tiredness is entirely of my own creation, and therefore I should not complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, man. Fair enough. Um, I'm gonna do the really annoying people do it, like, but I've always I like keeping it to like a like a short one because I feel like. It is just the most over-asked question of all time. For anyone who hasn't a fucking clue who you are, 60 seconds, who are you? Oh, sad, sad, sad. I'm just going to make the noises for 60 seconds and then have that be the end of it. So if, if you if you don't know me, and I suspect, why would you know me? Don't be one of those people who pretends like everyone should know you. That's one of my pet peeves of fucking anything for the record. Can I swear here? I should already started, so if I can't... Yeah, then... every podcast I have, fuck shit, Willie Dicks, I don't care. Go for it. Fuck shit, Willie Dix. I like it. It works as a sentence. Um, so I'm, my name is Paul. Uh, I primarily, I suppose, I'm known for teaching biomechanics these days. Uh, I have a company called The PT Project alongside James Sutton. Um, both of us used to be in another company called The Muscle Mentors, um, which is probably really where we were best known, uh, which was also teaching biomechanics. Uh, and that's, I think I've been a PT myself for uh, 11 years. I have a performing background before that, so I was an actor for a fair while and spent time on stage treading the boards and waffling about that. So I also teach PTs how to be better in front of the camera. Um, I still coach a bunch myself, and that can be a wide variety of things. I have uh, an interest in a bunch of clientele in psych-related stuff and how do you manage the headspace of people after they've gotten very lean, for example, um, all the way through gen pop and people who want to step on stage and Almost everything in between. When you've been doing it for a decade or so, you tend to have hopefully a few strings to the bow. And that is pretty much me, mate. Well, if I have to say any more than that, I'm going to bore myself. <laughs> you know, I, I do hate people who are kind of like, everyone should know who I am. And it's not doable. Like, yeah, it is nice. Um, yeah. 
it's one thing you meant like it's one thing actually you you found this like really cool little niche where obviously a kind of acting background kind of plays into the whole like be good on camera because like it is like pts are just notoriously really really like just me by no means me saying i'm really fun on camera i can be really grim most of the time but it is one of those ones you're like where your job is very helpful when you're good on camera you're not very good on camera <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's that thing especially if you want to do it in an online setting it the online sphere is really it's a game of attention like there's so many things clamoring for people's attention on their Instagram feed or on whatever feed they happen to use as their primary platform. And so if you don't grab anyone's attention, they don't think you have something relevant to say or an interesting way to say it or something that resonates with them. They will swipe on you faster than the worst looking dude on Tinder. Like you just won't <laughs> last. And sort of it doesn't really matter how good you are at the job. If no one pays you attention, you can't get your foot in the door. And so then we see, I think, probably a bunch of stuff, right? There's people trying desperately to be things that they're not, and that looks painful. Uh, and then there are people who are oblivious to the fact they need to be good at it, and they can be painful. And then there's some people who are, who are generally all right at it. And honestly, if you even just sit there and think, like, of the people you like in the industry, I would bet you good money, 98% of them are also quite good on camera or quite good at communicating in one form or another. Some of them discover that the, the written medium suits them better, but that's rarer on things like Instagram because other than someone like uh, Physiconomics, if you know Adam over at Physiconomics, who's built a reputation for himself from drawing and having yeah. his personality come through that, but there aren't, there's not as many spaces for that because you know it's, it depends what kind of business you want to run, but if you're running a coaching business, people are buying, as cliche as it is, from you. And, you know, do you want to send fucking half nude, half nude pictures of yourself to someone you've never even seen speak or say a word? Like you best have a great reputation if that's going to be the case. And so when you're starting out, you can't have a great reputation because you're starting out. So one of the best things you can do is, is talk to camera, but you have to then be able to do it in a way that I think combines two things. One is still you. Like, don't pretend to be someone you're completely not. The, you know, what I want it to feel like is the person that hangs out with their mates. Like assuming you have mates and maybe not everyone does, but presuming that you do, that means that people like you, or at least some people like you. And that means you have something about your personality that's likable, right? So we just have to find a way of getting that bit of you on camera. And for some people that's dick jokes and weird fuck shit, willy dicks references. Uh, and for other people, they don't have to be funny. There's plenty of people who aren't funny at all, but still have huge followings and do really well. It's, but whatever it is, how do they find the way to be them? And then how do you find this other thing that I think is equally important? How do you not be boring? Yeah. <laughs> right. It still has to be an engaging way of presenting that, but engaging doesn't have to mean funny. And I think a lot of people make maybe that mistake within that. Yeah. It, it is only I've noticed massively. I think I very much fell in the, 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 the pit of kind of like, okay, let's just like, I think everyone kind of goes to that phase of kind of like, okay, I realize now that my half naked picture with a, with a, with a caption about sleep is not going to be very insightful. The journey um, of a thousand miles begins <laughs> with a single ab. <laughs> like, <laughs> or the, uh, I remember actually, I'm in my. Um, oh, I've done that, by the way. <laughs> um, it, it's key. It, it, it's strategic. It's like get lean for somewhere, but then post your, your valuable caption underneath it. But um, <laughs> a mate of mine, Barry, made a video of himself. It was basically like him doing all these fucking poses, like in his underwear, tense, and the fuck was like, here are my five best stress management tips. And it's it just taking the piss. It's really funny. But, like, it, no, like, it is, I definitely fell in that kind of trap of kind of like, okay, let's just try to be funny. And then like, like everything, when you try to be anything, it's like, what's the quote? It's like, life's like a, what is it? Life's like a fart. If you're kind of forced, it's going to be shit. And it's, it, it's dead right. Like it just doesn't work. Um, I think I got my, my first glimpse of reality about two months ago. Um, do you remember that like trend going around? It was like some Nelly Furtado song, like remix. And it was some guy dancing in front of, like it was, a guy in glasses, like dancing in front of the mirror. I'll try to get the video up here because I did one of those videos. Um, I shall pull up here now. So basically, it's, it, it, this video took me about two, 20 seconds to make. Yeah. And I made it because I saw like four or five videos on my, like in a row. I was like, okay, this is going to blow up. So I'll make yep. one before like it becomes a trend. And like it worked really fucking well. Yeah. Because it is to, to this day, like my most viewed, it has 85,000, no, sorry, 56,000 views, 830 likes. This one here, you just record, like you're just dancing and all of a sudden just, goes this guy <laughs> that that's literally it obviously for those who are listening on, on like spotify or whatever you don't know phenomenal content for the audio media but literally that took me about like 20 seconds to make it all together i posted it and like for like 
three weeks afterwards, it's like wake up in the morning, 50, 60, 70 likes. I'm like, oh my God, I've made it. Here we go. And then whenever I post videos of me and my cat, inevitably, they just blow up as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's relevant. <laughs> it's trying to be in any way, like, you know, amusing to people and then trying to fit that into what you do. Yeah. But then you can also go, you, pr- you can go too far with the purely chasing the like mm. thing. Because yeah. look, you, you you know you you're a business presumably. Um, if, well, it depends who listens to this and what they are. But like, if we're talking to coaches, you know you, you're a business behind that, and so you actually have something to sell. Now, if you turn into a sleazy person who's selling every single thing, you become a bit of a pain in the ass, and we probably don't like your content all that much. But equally, if everything that you do offers nothing that anyone can actually utilize, then what you are is a fun page to follow, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what you are also not is a business, right? So you've got to find this kind of balance of like great reach and stuff that gets a lot of likes and clicks and just provides eyeballs. But are we following that up with stuff that actually convinces people we're pretty good at this job that we do, and we understand you and we understand how to help you with it better than anyone else does. And if you think that I'm really good at it and that you like me as a person, sweet. The odds of you buying from me go up exponentially. Like, Because if they don't like you as a person, they might still buy from you if you sell something phenomenal. I don't have to like the guy who sells me a Porsche because I only have to deal with him once and he sells me something cool, right? (laughs) But coaching isn't that. It's this back and forth relationship that has to go on for a while. So unless you come with I trained every Mr. Olympia that has ever existed. No one else has ever done it. Like, okay, wow. That guy might be able to be a dickhead and get away with it, but that isn't the case. And so can you be likable? Can you be funny sometimes? Can you be clear and helpful sometimes? Can you do any and all of those things? And do you know which bits of your content are aimed at which of those fields? Or do you even think about those bits of, uh, bits of stuff when you're planning stuff out? Do you just put the camera on and go, well, I'm going to talk about calories and there's no thought beyond I'm going to talk about calories, which usually means I'm going to watch someone for three seconds, be really boring and then swipe away because they said, yeah. um, uh, uh, they weren't very clear. They didn't grab my attention. They had all the enthusiasm and excitement of like a dying amoeba and it just didn't engage anyone. And half of that can be solved by just planning a little bit yeah. <laughs> and going, okay, that point that you're making. Is there a better, is there a more interesting way of making it? Is there a funny way of saying it or just a cool analogy that you can use? Is that an analogy you've ever, ever actually used? Is it something you've ever said to clients actually out loud and tried to see if it works and resonates? Can you hone it? Can you write it out a few times? Like there's loads of different ways of trying to come up with your style and your sound and the thing that is like you. And it's going to take some back and forth. These are practical things. You're not going to smash it the first time you do it, or you're unlikely to anyway. But there's loads of things you can still do to gradually improve that skill because it's a fucking skill. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think one thing that I always found super kind of like challenging was kind of like, it's kind of like when you take us take yourself out of the position of the creator more like the consumer, kind of like, okay, when I'm looking at videos, what do I do? Like, I want to see them that I like. I'll probably, like, if it's something, I will swipe away for something in three seconds if it doesn't grab my attention straight away. It's kind of like, right, like figuring out how to kind of have the first three seconds super engaging, but also not be boring the rest of it and how to grab something. It is. And then with things like, oh, everyone going like, you should be on TikTok, you should do this, you do that. I'm like, oh my God, there's so much shit going on. Like, give me a second to break. And I can see where people find it super like overwhelming. I found something that I always found super helpful. Kind of what you mentioned there is have some prep work. I always found mm-hmm. kind of having loads of prep work where you put me off. Yep. I basically have a topic in mind, an idea, but like, right. Because if I kind of speak it like off the cuff, I'm way more likely to be me than, okay, Dan, say this in a really sarcastic way, but planet and like no i'm not not gonna say sarcastic it's gonna be really fake you're not gonna yeah and uh, these are the stylistic differences between people because some people are quite good at riffing Mm. and key point for those ones is editing because if you're going to use that style you're going to chuck out a bunch of ideas and a bunch of different takes and you're just going to see almost what comes out of your mouth while you've got these bullet pointed ideas and things you want to touch on whatever and some of them are going to work really well and some of them aren't, and you have no idea. And that's cool because you can just film them all, keep the camera running, and then you just stitch them together. You cut out the shit bits, you trim it, you trim the fat so that you're left with something that hopefully is engaging for 20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, however long it needs to be for the bit of content that it is. And that's that's generally the approach I take to a lot of stuff. These are the key points, and that's cool. You'll 
in my experience, you usually find that that approach is beneficial for people who are quite confident and already have a reasonably outgoing personality and who are quite clear and like they're okay with that. They're just trying to make it a little sharper. For people who are a bit more introverted, often actually sometimes literally write it out, right? Write out a kind of thing. Find a way of saying that. Okay, practice saying it. Just drill it a bunch of times. Watch it back. <laughs> I had a, a line from a, a client of mine, Luke, who uh, we were talking about some camera stuff and uh, watching some of his things back and yada, yada, yada. And he was like, the line for being a jazzy cunt is higher than you think. <laughs> but no, the bar, he said the bar, the bar for being a jazzy cunt is higher than you think. Like for a lot of people, when they go too far, they're too big, they're too enthusiastic, they're too loud, they're not. They're just kind of about right. They get the, they get the Goldilocks level. That doesn't mean that people aren't capable of going too far. Dan here is relatively outgoing. And actually, the cool thing is, if you ever meet him in person, he is like the person that is talking on this. This doesn't, this doesn't feel like there's a discrepancy between those people. But he's also perfectly quite happy with attention and people paying attention and like doing things. If I got Dan to go really, 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 really over the top, I could get something that is utterly outrageous uh, in the same way that I would also be that way. You can go too far. It's just that the vast majority of people are so far away <laughs> from being over the top, that their attempt at being over the top just becomes dynamic and engaging. Mm. But it's always, just like it is with coaching or anything else, it's always tailored to the person in front of you and going, did it work? Yes or no? Like in a, in a purely practical sense, did we like that take? Did we not? We liked it. Cool. Keep it. And you, you then refine. What did you like about it? What didn't you? How do you keep that same sense of, okay, these things are working. How do you take those lessons through? And actually, I think it's a skill that most people can learn in you know, a few weeks or a couple of months of deliberate practice and some good feedback on they can get themselves to a point where they you know you're always working at it but it doesn't need to be as deliberate it's it's something that's just parked there that you kind of know how to go through whatever process you've got whatever editing process you've got whatever planning process you've got whatever process you have when the camera light goes on and it's actually time to record it you'll have something that suits you a little bit you won't be intimidated by doing it anymore and you'll be working away It'd be really convenient if someone had some like really handy course about being weird. confident super... on camera. Oh, that's, it? weird. that's weird, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> wow. wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've annoyed myself there. Yeah. So as as Dan so subtly and myself so so subtly alluded to, <laughs> I actually have a course on this. Although it, you know, it it, it the, the current one is is sold out. So the next one, that one starts in June. Uh, I haven't finalized the exact next one after that. It will either be August or September, the next cohort of that, where we actually just get a few people. Um, we try and keep it about 15 people, try and cap it so it's not too big a group. It's a six-week online course where we actually just get together. This is the homework for week one. Go off and do these things. Come back. Let's watch them in our private little group so no one else can like actually see this yet so you don't feel like a, you know, a complete bell end when, you, when you're doing all of it or you don't feel more than you need to be. You get specific feedback on that. Week two has other things to work on, three, four, five, six, et cetera. And that is kind of the idea within that. But I didn't actually set out with meaning to plug that, but it did end up there very, very conveniently. So, you know, it's almost like we're professionals. Um, <laughs> I hate us what, a little bit right now. <laughs> no, I, I want to, I do want to do PT, the, the PT project really, but I do want to talk about the main thing first and get on that afterwards. So we've nicely got kind of three parts that I like this. It's kind of going to like camera yeah. stuff the main topic and then the PT project, which I'm really excited to talk about. Um, yeah, it's one thing kind of with yourself that I know is obviously one big thing you 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 would work with or kind of something you're quite good at is kind of the whole kind of mind fuckery that kind of comes after being lean and kind of being hung up on that. Like I, it's something I personally have felt before and it, it is grim to say the least, but it's one of those ones where you can kind of manage it. It's quite nice, but just in that moment, it does suck. Um, mm -hmm. Like when it comes to like, for anyone who's kind of listened to this, maybe hasn't a fucking clue at all, but like kind of what are some of the implications that kind of come after kind of, okay, I've gotten really shredded now. This is cool, but there is now life after getting shredded. Like what are some of the things that kind of pop up there that, you know, people might not expect? So I think half the issue is, or the, the people most likely to struggle are those who go through it for the first time or the second time. Because to some degree, if you've never been somewhere, you're so preoccupied with going there that you don't think what comes after that. And that's totally normal and totally human. And I don't know anyone who is kind of different to that. Like it, the first time you get very lean, 
it's it's almost a question for yourself of if it's even possible. <laughs> so planning beyond the already uncertain possibility thing just seems like, what are we planning on doing after we've made it to Mars then? I'm like, well, we haven't made it to Mars yet. Stop planning ahead. <laughs> like, I, let's just, let's focus on this problem first, shall we? So I think some of it is the inescapable bit of not planning far enough ahead and, and starting to consider those things. Then you've got several issues, one of which is that you don't aim at getting shredded unless you think being shredded is awesome, <laughs> right? Because otherwise it's something that's accidentally happened because you found yourself in a concentration camp or a famine, right? And, <laughs> and then that's different, right? So short of it, that when people do this in the fitness industry, it's because they think looking that way is, is cool in one way, shape or form. I certainly do, like did do right like if i could stay looking pretty damn lean year round and it came with no deleterious consequences whatsoever and you ask me what's my favorite look in my physique it's a lean one <laughs> right <laughs> like that's just the the reality of how i feel about that and anyone who chooses to get very lean by virtue of the fact they've chosen to do it says that that's what they value okay so we know that going in that's going to be the case and then, then comes the hard part. You're going to get, depending on what we define as lean, but for what we're kind of maybe meaning of photo shoot lean or stage lean, where you're shredded and you can see veins in your body that look like your entire body's a penis, like that kind of level of lean is not sustainable without the use of a questionably high amount of steroids that are themselves not sustainable or an eating disorder. Yeah. Neither of which of those two things are healthy. And even with those, it's still debatable as to whether or not it's sustainable to be there for any prolonged period of time either. And because it isn't sustainable, you are going to move away from that physique that you idolized, that you worked towards, that you think is awesome, because otherwise you didn't name it. it. And you're going to have to go in the wrong direction. <laughs> and it's a bit like, this is true of a lot of things. Let's say that, you know, you currently earn 30,000 euro pounds, wherever in the world you are that is listening to this, 30,000 of whatever your currency is. And someone offered you 90,000. You're like, sweet, that feels awesome. You're getting kind of 90,000. And then after a few months, it actually gets brought down to 60. Well, if you went straight from 30 to 60, feels fucking great. I've got more cash. But if I move down from 90 to 60, it's not so great. No. Because it's, it's how I move away from or toward something I value, whether that's financial, whether it's body image, whether it's whatever, that almost determines my response to it, right? If we took two different people, one person who's desperately trying to get lean and another person who's desperately trying to get bigger, and I put them on the scale, and, one, and in both cases, the weight goes down, how do they respond? The person who's trying to lose weight is like, fuck yeah, I'm getting lean. It's all going well. They get this big dopamine kick because they're moving towards the thing they value. The person who's trying to get jacked is like, oh my God, oh, right, it's good. I'm so skinny now. This is terrible, <laughs> right? In, in both circumstances, the same thing happened, but the response to it wasn't the same. And that's because the response is driven by how we perceive that thing in relationship to a thing that we care about, that we value. And so when you've gotten shredded, you are you're like having to move away from this thing that you value. And inevitably, that starts to suck. Like it doesn't actually feel that nice. And there's an interesting thing with human beings that we respond uh, to a larger degree to negative emotion than positive emotion, even if those things are of the same amount. So if it feels good to lose five kilos, if you're trying to get leaner, and it does, that feels good. If that's your goal and you're trying to do that, then you will feel better, generally speaking. Why doesn't gaining five kilos only feel just as bad as the just as good, right? Because people tend to over-respond to the negative to a greater degree than the positive. If the positive caused a plus two, the negative was a plus four or a minus four in this yeah. particular instance. Even though both were five, I moved five in either direction, but the magnitude of my emotional reaction was disproportionate. Human beings have this thing that's called a negativity bias. Uh, and there's a bunch of psychological research you can check out on this that goes way, way back to 60s and 70s stuff. Kahn and Kahneman and Tversky have this sort of loss aversion theory um, that ties into a bunch of negativity bias that, you know, if I got you to 
win 10, 10 quid, 10 euro, how much would I have to get you to gamble? Uh, or how much would I have to give you, sorry, if you were willing to take this bet? So the bet is, okay, we're going to flip a coin. So it's literally 50-50. There's no skill in this game. And if you win, you get 10 euro, 10 quid, whatever. Or let's, let's look at it through this way. You're going to bet 10 quid, 10 euro. How much would the other person have to offer you for you to take the bet, right, on a coin flip? Most people don't say yes for 10, like betting 10, losing 10, equal and equal. They don't say that. Most people gravitate towards a two to one ratio, right? So if they're going to bet 10, they want 20 if they were to win for this to be worthwhile. Otherwise, they lose 10 and only gain to Nah, I want to I gain at least 20. And obviously, that gets to a point where this stops sort of being the case. If you ask someone to bet their house, how much would you have to put down on a coin flip for everything you own? Most people won't take that bet, which is like, no. <laughs> and equally, if we make it such a small amount of money that it doesn't matter, right? How much to bet 10p? I'm like, I don't care, right? <laughs> like what? I'll give you 20p if you like it. I don't care, right? It, it's not a big enough amount of money for that to really impact. But when you start playing in the realm of where it matters, we see this consistent pattern in human behavior that we respond greater to negative than to positive. And so when someone is, let's say we've got someone at the start of prep and then they're going to hit prep and then they're going to come out of prep. What? So let's use Dan as the example. What was your start weight at the start of prep and then at the end of, of your last prep style thing? My start was 95 kilos and I finished at 81. Okay, so we've got, let's round it to 95 to 80 because easy, nice, simple kind of maths this year. But basically the best part of 15 kilo change. On the way from 95, let's say that Dan gets to 85 and he's feeling pretty good, but he's looking in the mirror and he's not fully happy with what he sees yet because, well, if he was, he'd be ready to be on stage already. So he's looking deliberately for where he isn't quite there yet because that's where improvement lies. And that's kind of the point of this. So you're automatically looking for the flaws because, again, just like if you were evaluating a business, when you look at it, you look for where you can improve it. And the only way you can improve things is by looking for where you don't think things are good enough yet. So you cannot not look for flaw. If you buy into the concept of improvement, you buy into the concept of flaw <laughs> and you buy into the concept of hierarchy of good and bad. Um, so we've got Dan down at 85 kilos and he's feeling pretty good, better than he was at 95. He's like, yeah, this feels, this feels pretty good, but I'm not quite there yet, but I can definitely see that I'm moving that way. And then he gets to 80 kilos and as, because human perception is weird, He's still not happy with the way he looks. <laughs> you can still see those bits that aren't quite there yet because it's going to get a bit dysmorphic and that's kind of how perception works. But ignoring that for now, he comes out of prep and now he's back at 85 kilos. A point where previously he was pretty happy with how things were going. It was moving along. If you took a picture of Dan at this 85 kilos and another picture of Dan at the same 85 kilos three months later, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. They look the same. But in the secondary picture, Dan has been struggling a little bit and being like, fucking, I just, I look a bit pathetic. I don't like the way I look kind of now. Whatever is going on for him. His position in this instance is exactly the same for all intents and purposes. But again, it's how did he relate to moving towards something he valued and moving away from something he valued? And I think one of the biggest things, once we've got this concept in our mind and how it kind of works, because this is how emotional feedback works. It works in relationship to goals. You get a good dopamine kick, feels good, only when you move towards shit you value. And you can think about this in a bunch of different stuff, like food tastes best when you're hungry. <laughs> For that reason, because you've moved further away from the value of I need to be satiated, which is an obvious evolutionary benefit, right? So the further you move away, the better that thing tastes when you finally have it. The same is true of thirst. Water has never felt so good when you're genuinely massively dehydrated and really struggling. When you're wandering around, laying on your bed, if you've been laying on your bed all day, eh, but if you go and lay on your bed after you've done 30,000 steps and your feet ache, ooh, does it feel nice, right? They're not the same thing. And so the amount of um, positive reward, we call it positive affect in psych, which is just a description of the amount of positive emotion that someone experiences, is proportional to how far away you move from something you valued. And then you get this lovely kick when you actually do it. And that's just a reinforcement technique. That's so that you do it again. The reason that highly calorific food tastes delicious is evolutionary. 
it's beneficial for us. It would be weird if we were like the best tasting thing of all time is broccoli. Like, no, because you if you if you have to live on one substance alone, broccoli is not going to be your friend. Ice cream is going to serve me better for a longer period of time than broccoli will. The calorie density in it is going to be beneficial for me. So we have this sort of system of a bunch of needs that we have as human beings, and they are many, right? There's obviously the, the things we just mentioned, hunger and sleep and thirst and all that kind of stuff. We also have needs for like social interaction and like love and meaning and some kind of complex stuff in that. And we've got this body image part in there. And we're an evolved sexually selective creature. And I can't see how an evolved sexually selective creature with a large portion of its brain devoted to the visual system, I can't see how that creature could ever not care about what they look like, right? The issue for a lot of people is they end up placing almost all of their self-worth rather than a, a subset of their self-worth on this value. And so this is what I think starts to really tie in now to one of the big takeaways is that if the only thing that you value is your physique, <laughs> then you're really going to struggle on the backside of it because you can't stay there. And so as you move away, the negative emotion that is inherently going to come from the fact that you're moving away from the body image value is going to be huge because it's not offset by anything else that you care about. Because there's other things to look at here. There's like, look, as you get leaner and leaner and leaner and leaner, you become more and more and more and more and more and more and more of a selfish asswank, right? And you don't necessarily mean to, and you can offset this by being aware of it and attending to it. But more and more of your decisions are like, no, I can't go to that event. Or if I'm going to go, I'm only going to go for three hours and I'm going to drink Diet Coke and then I'm going to leave. Or like, or you just stop thinking as much about other people. Like, it's just inherent to the demand of being that lean. Just yeah. is. Like, go ask anyone who's ever been there if you've never been there. <laughs> I've yet to meet anyone who disagreed with that statement. So we're going to move that way. And that means we become a worse friend. We become worse at our job, right? It actually means we get worse at training towards the very end of it as well. Like you get worse at a lot of stuff towards the very back end of prep because your your you know your energy is just in the toilet, uh, and you're just constantly thinking about food because effectively you're starving. So your body's like, hey jackass, <laughs> it'd be great. It'd be great if you ate a bit more. Um, if we've got these other things that you care about, you've got a sport that you like playing, you care that you read a bunch, that you're a good friend or a good partner or a good son or daughter, whatever you actually are, because you are many things. You're not just one thing. Well, now when we come out of prep, can we look at the things we're moving towards in a positive manner, not just the thing we're moving away from? So rather than just the loss of the physique, which is one thing you're going to think, and I don't know a way around that, Rather than just focusing on that and that being the only thing we see, can we look and see how much we gain, the holidays we get to go on, the people we get to spend time with, the betterment of ourselves at our job and whatever hobbies you have? And this leads into an obvious one of, well, do you have any? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and you'd be amazed the amount of people that don't. And I don't think it's, it's good for them. And I, this is true of lots of things, by the way. I don't think it's good for anyone to define themselves as only one thing whatever that thing is, because life is a bitch sometimes and horrible things happen and there's no good reason that they can't happen to you. So if the only thing that you are is an athlete, well, you're going to struggle when you retire and you're going to retire. If the only thing you are is a mother, well, your kids are going to grow up and at some point they're going to leave. And so if all that you were was that, you're going to struggle. The issue of the body image thing is really the issue of putting all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> it's just applied to that particular field. Like, yeah. You, that's not to say you need to pick a hundred things that's spreading yourself too thin, but you probably need a few bits of your life that are deeply meaningful to you. And training can be one of those things, right? There are plenty of people who've gotten very lean, done all that stuff and not fucked themselves up. I'd like to think of myself as one of them, right? And it, but it helps to have some psychological skills to, to guide that. But honestly, one of the other big ones is it helps to care about other things, yeah. right? And actually have an interest in other stuff. And that's sometimes difficult because what if you don't have that many other interests? Where do you find them? How do you figure out what matters to you? Like what is, what's Dan interested in outside of training? Outside of training. Um, like, mu like music was a big one of mine. Music, yeah. I think after kind of I stopped, I think I was, I was very much like that weird existential crisis after I was like, fuck, what do I do? Because like you said, you put so much fucking emphasis yeah. on, I'm getting lean everything's like like when i got lean was it was it was beautiful i was i was single at the time i we had just <laughs> gone to lockdown 
So right. I was like, I have so much time to just devote to getting fucking diced. Um, you know, <laughs> there was no point in driving anywhere because we had like a five kilometer. So Kumble was going to walk all the fucking time. And he just I was going to be single and shredded for no one. It was going to be great. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> let's get let's get shredded and just have a great time. And no, we're in lockdown. So I can't really anyone, but nah, I'm so, I'm, the I'm amount. Too- I'll tell you this though: the <laughs> amount of nudes Dan sent during that period was outrageous. <laughs> But then, like, but then afterwards, it's kind of like, okay, what do I like doing? And I'm like, I remember, like, even like it was kind of funny after lockdown, I started seeing someone, Caitlin, who I'm with now. I'm kind of like, okay, cool. Well, I don't want to be, you know, I kind of want to start seeing her. This is about three months after I actually got really lean. I was kind of like, okay, well, actually, I'm going to go off and enjoy myself with her, like, have a meal with her, do whatever, and not be, like, yep. feel like shit. And then, you know, all things came to play, like, obviously, training, for example, is like, okay, I actually want to enjoy my training and not feel like absolute shit. So food will help with that. And then, like, all the things that weren't food, they were like, I love music. Like, I play guitar bass drums now it's very friendable i have a drum kit in an apartment so i have an acoustic <laughs> guitar and that's about it but like things like that kind of came more into things and it just like i gave so much more of a shit about other things and like mm. yeah grandma i was like six seven kilos heavier and didn't look like i was when i was that lean but i was kind of like i feel so much better now because like even looking back i make one massive thing that had me quite happy to not be that lean is i was i remember looking up there's a picture of me on instagram somewhere it's always the one i use for like getting shredded fucking posts and sure. um it's me and a pair of budgie smugglers um with a car and i was like holy shit i did not realize i looked that lean when i was that lean but now i'm like holy shit i am insane and i was kind of like i'm looking at the picture i'm like fuck like i knew like i remember the picture i was like i'm i'm, I'm no I'm really hungry there i feel yeah. like absolute shit um i had no energy i didn't want to do my little like I, I, we, I had like a shed at the back when I was living at home with like a bar. I was like, I do not want to go train. I don't want anything. I want to lie in bed and just think yeah. about cereal all day. I'm kind of like, well, actually, Grant, okay, on one hand, I'm five kilos heavier and I have a little more fluff, but I'm still looking quite good. But on the other hand, I enjoy my time with Caitlin. I have all these other hobbies that I really enjoy. I yep. don't feel like absolute shit and I can enjoy what I eat and have a few drinks on the side. It's kind of like, well, this is so, it's, it was kind of more it's a case of like understanding and like actually proved myself was kind of like okay well actually lean being like looking lean is cool but feeling yep. books and actually the other things that like do actually matter to me like you know friends family girlfriend food and kind of like well training like well, this is a lot better so like it doesn't really make sense to be sad about not having veins that go from my pubes to my fucking nipples i mean i want to see those veins uh <laughs> <laughs> There's a folder somewhere of just all, all of that because I was veins. like, Ooh, I know this is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, like, what Dan touched on there was was precisely everything we just kind of mentioned of, okay, let's not lie to ourselves sometimes and pretend that we don't think looking a certain way is cool. Like, you just don't aim at things that you think are shit, right? <laughs> so the very fact that you did it means something and it's, un- and it's unsurprising. Like, we don't have to look around the world and go, okay, who gets idolized the most? Is it Channing Tatum and Chris Hemsworth and co? Yeah, you know, those really fat, horrific looking guys. You're like, no, that's not that's not the way that goes. No one is idolizing Barry from EastEnders. Sorry, Barry, but you're not featuring on the posters. And you're like, okay, we I don't think we have to deny that part of reality and go, look, there's a male physical ideal somewhere in there. And most of us recognize it and go, we, and it's not new. Go and look at old Greek statues. They're thousands of years old. Those fuckers were still chiseled, right? And they still spoke about the importance. Uh, you know, Socrates has a famous line. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the grace and beauty of which his body is capable of. Like, that's 2,400 years old. <laughs> Don't come at me with patriarchy. That shit's been kicking around for a long time, <laughs> right? But at the same token, we can recognize that, it, that I like that, but it might not be worth all the trade-off. When all the trade-off is just what Dan kind of listed. There's a lot in that, right? Now, some people don't have anything else in the trade-off category. And sometimes we see this, you know, we could almost categorize anorexia as valuing the concept of being the smallest possible over everything else, including life itself. Because they're willing to starve themselves to death in the pursuit of that thing, which is actually unattainable. But you can't tell me that's not a committed person. And that's not a motivated person by something they care about. The problem is the thing that they've decided to care about is destroying their entire life. And it's yeah. tragic and it's horrible. And there isn't, to this point, a known good um, way of treating anorexia. None of the approaches have a high success rate in anorexia. 
it has the highest mortality rate of all the uh, mental health disorders as well. Like the con it sometimes it's easier for some of us. Like I so I same as Dan, I play music. I, I play rugby. I used to be an actor. I like right. I have I love history. I like lots of different things. And that has stood me in almost accidental good stead for those periods when you come out of it. But what if you do deal with someone as a coach, or if this is someone yourself who doesn't have anything obvious that replaces that one thing in their life? Like it's a, it's actually a really difficult thing. It's so easy to say, yeah, oh, you need other things to care about. Really easy to say. Dan John has a great line. I said it was simple, not easy. And it applies to a lot of different topics, but it's simple enough to say that. But how would you go and find those things? And honestly, short of asking yourself some questions of, is there anything I've liked in the past that I've that sort of announces itself to me as something I'd like to go and pursue that I've been ignoring? And then going and trying a bunch of them and just seeing. Yeah. Like, if you're in this boat, what do you have to lose? <laughs> like, if you've got to that point where you're really unhappy with where you are, let's be practical. Let's actually go and find, just try things. Like we can start with some sensible shit to try. And that just like being in the gym would come with an assessment. We need to understand specifically what you struggle with because you're going to find there's a load of different psychological approaches and treatments and stuff out there. Which one suits you best? Not a clue until you have a conversation with that person and start figuring out. Just like going, what's the best exercise for? Like, I don't know. Tell me a bit more about your goals. Let's explore a little bit about more you and your history and your structure and all that type of stuff. The same is true for psych things. We need an assessment of you to figure out what's going to be possibly the best thing for you. But just like in the gym, we still have to then go and try it and go, did it work? Yeah. If it works, cool, keep it. If it didn't, fuck it off or evaluate why it didn't work and try and figure out, okay, it didn't work because of this, I think. Oh, and that's quite common to this other thing that didn't work. So what's the common two parts of that? Does that tell me something deeper about what's going on within that? You know, you're just using these types of approaches to try and find a way of helping someone move forwards practically. Like there's, um, there's a good line I steal from a guy called Nassim Taleb. Uh, if people aren't familiar with Nassim Taleb, he's a, he's a great writer, made a lot of money and stuff uh, from the 2008 a 2008 financial crisis uh, and predicting certain bits and pieces, but great writer. And uh, he has a line, which is don't mistake the map for the territory. And what he means by this is we can get so caught up in our theories and theories are there to try and describe and predict reality. But reality is out there doing whatever the fuck it's doing, no matter what theory we try to place on it. And all theories, well, all models are wrong. Some are useful. Some are more wrong than others. But there isn't a grand unifying theory of physics yet, which means every single model is wrong. Every single theory is wrong. It doesn't contain everything that is actually there. Reality is just what it is. So if your model that you've decided, well, according to my understanding of hypertrophy or psychology or this and the other, we do this step and this step and this step, and then this happens glorious. My map I'm trying to get to this church that apparently on the map is over that hill and stuff over there. And I'm wandering along and I get to a river, but the river's not on my map. Does it mean the river doesn't exist? No, <laughs> it means your map's fucking wrong. right? So I don't care what theory you come up with. You have to start practically first. If it's working, keep it, <laughs> right? If it isn't, fuck it off or find out which bits of it don't work and why so we can narrow the field of the shit that doesn't work and start to understand the shit that does work for you so that we can move you away from a, a dark, difficult place to a slightly better place. Sweet. I love that. Yeah, it does. When you put it that way, it makes so much more sense. I do love that. Like, yeah, nail the fucking head. I don't think I have anything else to add to that. <laughs> like, genuinely, I'm sorry. I'm like, I, just, I think you've covered that really well. <laughs> Either that or I've bored a load of people. Not entirely uh, sure which one. <laughs> I'm really, no, I'm super pumped to like pick your brain. The PT project that yes. is super interesting. Um, obviously now it's yourself and James um, from Muscle Mentors, and now have started your own thing, and that's super interesting. Like, so I'm assuming it's not going to be the exact same as the Muscle Mentors. Well, that'd be just weird. But like, what what is? We're wearing the same t-shirts and everything. So. It's, it's just you can just see like stitching over Muscle Mentors and just PT. <laughs> <laughs> um we're just gonna bring a cutout of luke and just put him in the corner just for all time's sake be like hey. one hoodie says luke crossed out <laughs> exactly. um what actually is it so the pt project in many senses it isn't that different uh different mm. to the muscle mentors but i think 
we had a few kind of ideas of as we progressed through with what we were doing with the muscle mentors, you know, we were definitely dealing with 95% of our audience are PTs. Mm, yeah. And really we, we had this almost idea of we want to help them across a wide domain. Jimbo's been a, a trainer for like 97 years. Uh, <laughs> and I've been doing it for 11 uh, or 12, I think maybe now. Um, we've been doing it for quite a while and you tend to need a, a wide facet of skills to actually succeed as a PT. And we like this concept of you as the PT are the project that is this ongoing thing that is never fully done. Um, And that we thought if we were really starting out, where's the best place for a PT to nail straight out the gate. And we, you know, we're biased, but we think biomechanics is that world because training, we're personal trainers, right? And training is biomechanics, biomechanics, (laughs) <laughs> as my girlfriend once said she thought it was just a bunch of nerds with bands right like sometimes it has <laughs> it, 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 it just, yeah do you know what i mean yeah. I, understood, I understood where she was coming from <laughs> there's a perception of what that word means yeah. but what it really means is everything that you've ever done physically <laughs> right biomechanics is just forces applied to anatomy which means it's happening to you all the time everything that you've ever done or ever moved that is everything really motion wise with a with a human body comes under biomechanics and so that means powerlifting is biomechanics it means pilates is biomechanics it means bodybuilding is biomechanics and it means nerd with bands uh is is biomechanics all of them are biomechanics personal trainers training is biomechanics you should therefore be pretty good at it you don't have to be a master at it but this ability to manipulate the exercise challenges that we give to someone, our clients or ourselves, so that we can create an appropriate challenge for whatever it is that they're dealing with and whatever goals they've got, so that I don't come at everyone with the exact same solution. And that solution is always back squatting in the same way that that solution always has to be a meal plan. It's like, no, right? Look, who's this person in front of me? If I'm dealing with Shaq, he might have some different requirements to if I was dealing with Peter Crouch, who might have some different requirements if I was dealing with Eddie Hall, who might have some different requirements as if I was dealing with Peter Dinklage, right? Like there's a wide range of bodies and structures in there. I picked three giants, by the way, and then, then I'm sorry, Peter Dinklage. Uh, you, you got to be my short person example. Uh, he once scooted past me in New York and I nearly lost my shit. I was on the phone to, uh, to someone at the time, just wondering, I was like, oh my God. I can't believe you just scooted past me. As he came towards, I was like, sir. Well, first off, I mean this in the nicest way possible. First off, you notice that there is a dwarf scootering. And I was like, that looks awesome. And then you go, oh my God, that's not just, that's not just any dwarf. That's fucking Tyrion Lannister. <laughs> and he's just scootering along in Brooklyn. I was like, <gasps> I got really excited. Actually, question. Was it a scooter to suit his height or was he like this? No, when I, so when I say scooter, I don't, oh, that's a good, that's a good question. Uh, he didn't look, it didn't look comically. For those not looking, Dan is describing, are the handlebars above his head? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it was to suit his height. I don't okay. remember it being like he was riding a Harley Davidson version of a scooter. <laughs> so yeah, he was he was going down. I was like, this is amazing. But you know, if we give <laughs> if we give Peter Dinklage and his giant scooter the back squat, is yeah. it the same as giving Peter Crouch the back squat? If I get Eddie Hall to bench press, is it the same as Jenna Jameson bench pressing? Right? Is it the same as insert small Victoria Beckham uh, doing the same thing? No, we only would have to look at that to be like, okay, well, do you think there's a difference between a Great Dane and a Chihuahua? Yeah. Okay, cool. Right. Are there some differences in what those two things can be exposed to and what they can do? Yeah. Right. Of course there is. They are really far apart in structure. I mean, you know, there's obviously a lot of similarities. They're both dogs, right? In the same way, all humans are humans. We have way more in common than not, but there's still enough variance within that difference to mean some profound things for what happens to them when we give them an exercise. And the solution therefore can't be that all of them have to do the same exercise, right? That's, it doesn't matter what they come in with. Bench press. It's like she's missing an arm. I don't care. Bench press. She's in a coma. Bench press. Like it, it can't be the solution is the same for everything like that. And with the PT project, we, we kind of really believe that and thought we've been doing the mentoring thing and, and teaching for a little while. And it's certainly been my contention that I think a lot of PTs are confused by biomechanics or, or intimidated by biomechanics. And 
I think that's half the industry's fault. <laughs> we there's a there's a desire to use really long verbose language, right? So instead of saying direction, they want to say vector, right? But uh, fuck off, say direction. You don't mean vector, right? Like in mathematical terms, a vector is something with a direction and a magnitude. It has two qualities. When people say force vector. It's like you don't mean vector because you don't know the magnitude of that force yet. You just mean the force's direction. So say the fucking word direction, right? Because People understand the word direction and they don't understand the word vector. So why are you using a complicated one when a simple one would do and suffice just as well? And the only reasons are you want to show off or you don't fully understand that word yet or you don't know who you're talking to, right? They're the only reasons, so far as I can tell, that you would use the complicated shit when you could explain it in simpler terms, yeah. right? And that, so these things have to be choices. I can use all the complicated terms. I like maths and nerding out more than most people who me, right? But we have to know who we're talking to. And if we want people to get into biomechanics, it has to be exciting. It has to be empowering. It has to be cool. It has to be experienced. It has to show the person experiencing it that, oh, wow, this is really beneficial. It's not just about knowing, though that's a good enough reason for plenty of things. I love knowing the why behind what's happening. But I also want to be able to do something with it. Biomechanics is practical more than almost anything. It's Again, we're trainers, first and foremost. We're not physicists, right? It's cool if we know the physics, but we have to practically apply this shit. We have more in common with an engineer than the physicist, right? Like, what do I do with this maths? What do I do with this information? How do I change this exercise so that I get a way better squeeze in the pec or so that I offload their shoulder and stop giving them shoulder pain? What range of motion should I use? Team full ROM. No one really knows what that means. Like I, the range of motion I can achieve in a car crash where my knees go through my eyeballs is pretty profound, but it won't be good for me. So precisely, like, and when we say full range of motion, like everyone knows that you don't have 360 degrees of motion in your elbow, right? And if you're not sure of that, try it, get back to me. Uh, and see how that goes. So the full ROM has to be, oh, well, it's the full range of motion that the joint actually has available then? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. Well, is that the same for everyone? No. How do we know that? You can show pictures of people with different structures of just their bones, <laughs> right? Look, at there's loads of pictures of this. If you haven't checked out Paul Grilly bones, just put that in on Google. Go and look at it. You'll see a bunch of differences in structure. So why on earth would the range of motion look, diff uh, look the same for everyone if the underlying structure is different? It'd be like going, all bridges should look the same, but we're going to build them differently. Like, well, they're not going to look the same then, are they? Right? So why are we keep going in with this, with this concept? And I think with the PT project, the aim is to try and get across some really usable, tangible, experienceable things that excite and empower trainers more than just confuse and intimidate them. And I think we can do a better job of that than we've been doing in the past. Uh, and so there's going to be a bunch of, courses coming out for this, a mentorship coming out for this, uh, where they'll be, you know, walked through. Here's a few hours, watch these, we jump on calls, we talk about what they are, we move into the next phase, and then the next phase, and then the next phase. And then we get in-person events, and we actually go and start applying them, and we do some training, and we do some education, and we do a combination of all these things, so that we create some trainers who can really kick ass, because it is also, I don't think, coincidental that at least in my career, and, and Jimbo's career, and most people I know who've gotten into biomechanics, that being better at biomechanics has also coincided with earning more, with getting better results for clients, with being able to do better at your job, with feeling like excited by a career that isn't just giving everyone the exact same thing. Like, as far as I'm concerned, it's such a cool area and it should be the foundation of trainers mm. <laughs> as a result of that. So that's kind of the aim of the, of the PT project, if that made sense. It does. It does. It's sweet. I actually remember, I actually remember uh, my, I, I, was, I think I was doing one of James' modules in the old portal. And uh, something came up, I completely forgot what it was, but my, so basically myself and my physics teacher in school, we, we followed each other on Instagram, know each other quite well. Um, I remember I sent a, sent a picture, I was like, who would know like five years, like I fucking sucked at physics, the lower level of physics got like a C, I was like, I fucking suck. I was like, who would think like five years later as a PT, you'd still be following around. And uh, yeah. I think conversation later, he's a client. And I was like, oh, fantastic. So <laughs> you know, it was amazing. Uh, but no, you're dead right. And like, that just sounds super fucking cool. And I'm, I'm personally very excited to kind of, see what go, like obviously to get involved because i do I, I am very intrigued with this i do want to get involved with all that fun stuff and when it comes around it's, it's not launched yet like fully has it? it's just been kind of amazing yeah, so the first product will be coming out very very shortly um in this next week really depends when this comes out um for that so we've got a couple of in-person events coming first 
then the mentorship will come off the backside uh, of those things. That's really the aim for this thing at the moment. Sweet. Back on class. I know we're conscious of the time getting off by one. Um, for anyone, so I'm going to link a lot of stuff. So the the waiting list for Confident Camera. I, have an, I know you have an ebook that kind of literally goes over kind of how to get or what to do after you get fucking shredded and all that stuff there. And yep. obviously, PT, everything's going to link in the show notes. For anyone who wants to know more about you, PT Project, all that crack there, where do they need to go? They can't. You need a secret password and uh, and to go near a secret door somewhere in London. Uh, no, obviously, you don't. So best place of getting hold of us is on Instagram. Uh, and then it is just search Paul Standell, S-T-A-N-D-E-L-L. -L. There aren't many of us. Uh, so you'll find me there. It's Paul underscore Standell, should you wish to find that one. Uh, Jimbo, uh, that's James. The other dude I work with is James underscore Sutton underscore coaching. You'll find him there. And you can find the company itself, the PT Project. Literally just search that. It's the PT Project underscore. Because uh, some bastard had the PT Project from like five, six years ago. It's about some entirely unrelated field. It's got like two posts, but it's still alive. Just, just stole. It's, it's just one, annoying. One thing I've been always so grateful about is the fact that when I made Coached by Dan, there was no one else called Coached by Dan, but there is now someone else called Coached by Dan underscore UK because we got like three or four inquiries from them who seemed very confused. And I was like, <laughs> fuck this guy. He's got like, he's got like, he's got like 20,000 followers. So he's got a lot more than me. I'm like, fuck you. I've got the good name. Suck a dick. I'm, I'm, I'm in charge here. But yeah, no, I'm a, uh, I've prepared a, a good, a good amount of money for him to take my name. I'm good. I think it's, I think it's worth about 1.2 mil at this point. Yes. So I'm like, right. You know what? You can have a 1.2 mil. 1.2 or nothing. Don't come up with 1.1. The fuck that. No, no, I know my yeah. worth. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> 1.3. I'm not there yet, but we'll get we'll get there. <laughs> oh, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Delight have you on. Um, to everyone listening, hope you all enjoyed, and uh, we'll see you soon. Cheers, buddy. And that was Mr. Paul Standell. That was honest to God, a phenomenal podcast. I personally thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, genuinely a really, really nice chat to have. And of course, I hope you all also really enjoyed it. Um, for anyone who wants to know a bit more about everything Paul does, um, so for example, his confidence on camera um, course, as far as I'm aware, as of right now recording this, um, there is a waiting list, but there's going to be a link in Paul's Instagram bio, or if you want to just click the link in the show notes, um, if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it's all there. Um, a link to Paul's ebook um is also in the show notes as well as of course in the link of his bio on instagram and finally for anyone more so pts listening to this who want to get to know a little bit more about the pt project maybe you were part of the muscle mentors education portal beforehand and you want to get back working with paul and james um james sutton being the other part of the uh, pt project um all the links for that will also be down below um i hope you really really enjoyed this episode of the podcast and as always one thing i'm really really bad at when i'm doing a podcast with guests is actually plugging myself because at the end of the day that is still relatively important to me anyway um if there's anyone new listening to this who has come from paul's um following hello i hope you're keeping well and thank you for listening um if you want to learn a bit more about me and just generally you know follow me on social media and see what i actually do um you can find me on instagram at coached by dan um i'm not really on facebook bar my client facebook group or like tiktok i just look at tiktoks <laughs> i don't post anything um but if you want to learn a bit, learn a bit more of me it's coached by dan or my website's coachedbydan.com and all my stuff is on instagram so if you want to download, I have some ebooks that I let, I can have for free on my my, my Instagram page. If you have the link in my bio, um, you can join my email list where I send out daily emails every single day talking about absolutely whatever. I could be talking about coaching. I could be talking about me being hungover. That was one that recently got a, a, a very nice email sent back telling me that I don't care that you're hungover, Dan, from a random person, which was always very fun. Um, yeah, my email list is also weren't quite active. Um, an email every single day from yours truly talking about fitness things, but in the least boring way possible, which I think is always very helpful for anyone who wants to learn a bit more about fitness. Because at the end of the day, I think we, myself and Paul did talk about it briefly at the start of the podcast. It is really simple for fitness information to come across really dull and really boring so the goal of everything i do on my page and on my emails and everything i do like the podcasts 
um, the the posts on Instagram, the stories, the emails is give you value, give you information that's going to, you know, stand to you, but not bore the tits off you. And if I can do that, then happy days. Listen, I hope you enjoyed season two, episode three of the podcast with Paul Sandell. Again, if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you feel this was a worthy podcast, if you want to rate it five stars and subscribe, that'll be absolutely fantastic. But for me, enjoy the pod. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and we will chat very, very soon. And I'll see you next week.